Thank you to this week's sponsor, Tony Overbay. He's a therapist, he's a speaker, he's an author coming out with a brand new book, and he is the podcast host of The Virtual Couch. If you don't know Tony's personal story, I would suggest you find out more about him. He was actually somewhat of a baseball prodigy, and he was in a tragic accident. Doctors said he'd never walk again. Well, not only does he walk, he runs ultra marathons. Check out his course and free ebook at pathbackrecovery.com, and check out his podcast and his incredible story at tonyoverbay.com. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the I See You podcast. This is episode 68, The Stress of Medical School. Happy Thanksgiving! I might release next week's episode a little early because of the holiday. And plus, next Friday is Black Friday. I don't got to be time to post no podcast. Haha, <laughs> we'll see. Any Black Friday shoppers out there? Uh, I'm thinking Wednesday. Maybe check out what's going on with the podcast Wednesday. I think I'll have an episode up. I want to start out first by thanking listeners for all the kind feedback in regards to last week's episode with Secret Service Officer Charles White. In fact, I was just texting with him last night and this morning, telling him how much listeners loved his energy, especially his karaoke. Uh, So he said that he promises when he comes out to visit Utah someday, because he's never been here, we can all go karaoke together. So I'm going to hold him to it. I especially appreciate the loving sister Amy and her her terminal cancer. Uh, It means a lot, and we've definitely felt that love. Last night, I had the privilege to attend an event put on by the National Speakers Association, and the guest presenter there was Chad Hymas. Holy cow, what do I say about Chad Hymas and his way of just grabbing your heart right out of your chest, squeezing it, and somehow by the end, putting it back together and putting it back in place and sewing it all up. Talk about a powerhouse speaker. I don't know if he'd take what I said as a compliment or not, but he should. I mean it. Um, I was just so touched by so many of the feelings and the messages I received personally for myself. And I want to share just a couple of those with you. And I hope that maybe that will be a blessing to your life as well, that maybe you'll be able to receive whatever messages that you need to hear right now. And also, spoiler alert, he's going to be on the podcast. He talked about the idea of doing things differently. He said something like, I want you to forget about thinking outside the box. I want you to take the box and chuck it out the window. I love that. He also talked about the idea of surrendering. I love that word surrender. In fact, I think I might make that my theme word for next year, surrender. Instead of New Year's goals, sometimes people will choose just a word for the year to focus on. And I like that idea, surrender. And so as I look at my life and I think about what does it mean for me to surrender my life to God? Well, a few thoughts that were really solidified for me last night that have already been on my mind, but I felt like I received answers that yes, this is correct. One is that I'm going to spend my time a little differently as far as the podcast is concerned. In an average week, sometimes I'll spend multiple hours just simply editing a single episode to take out ums and likes. I'm not going to do that anymore. Why? Because it makes me hate podcasting. (laughs) For real. I love creating and I love recording. I seriously hate sitting at a computer for hours by myself editing moment by moment on my software. It's just not my jam. 
And I'm going to be spending more time on the heart of the messages of the podcast, making sure I'm finding extraordinary guests who are genuine and honest. And I'm going to let the podcast mostly be unedited. It's a whole new level of authenticity and vulnerability for me. That is what surrender looks like for me right now with this podcast. Is there something in your life that you can surrender to God? An insecurity? Can you let yourself be seen exactly as you are? Put that trust in him. It's a journey for all of us. With that, I'm going to head over to our interview with my friend, Lane Miner. Lane is married to one of my very best friends, Molly, who you heard on episode 48, Skin Deep. Lane had a breakdown during medical school. He is now a radiology resident, but it is his experience with that breakdown that he was unable to coach me over the phone multiple times when I began struggling with my own mental health in my early 20s. And I will be forever grateful for him. Lane Miner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. As listeners, they may know your wife, Molly, who did an episode called Skin Deep. And you're her husband. You're her lucky, lucky husband. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Lane Miner, married to an amazing woman who is, uh, you know, I'm so lucky to be married to her. I'm a radiology resident. So I'm a, a resident physician. In my last year at Penn State Hershey Medical Center, yeah, we have four daughters. I'm originally from Boise, Idaho, and living in central Pennsylvania, just enjoying life. Yeah, living so close to Hershey, Pennsylvania, too, which is pretty cool. Hershey Park, right? Right. Yeah, and we love we love being able to come out and see you guys because you live so close to Philadelphia, where Rob's from. So it's pretty fun. I get to come see one of my very best friends when we come come see Rob's family. We love it. Talk about your experience in medical school, specifically your encounters that you've shared with me. You know, I was in medical school. Um, it's been some time now, but probably about seven years ago, I was a second year medical student. You know, medical school in general is somewhat stressful, period. Uh, you know, there's a lot of financial stress and, and pressure to perform well, you know, to do the kind of specialty you want and everything. Around the time that our second daughter was born, Molly and our girls went on a trip kind of during the winter across country with, with her sister. And I was, you know, studying for some, a big test that I had, which was one of the most stressful tests I had up to that point. I guess one night I just had an experience where I uh, didn't know what was going on. My heart was racing, you know, I was shaking. I felt so awful, like I could be sick and everything and uh kind of said to myself i think this is a panic attack even though i've never had one before but i was just so stretched thin with uh you know all the obligations and things i was doing anyways you know got over that panic attack eventually got to sleep and everything and when i was actually having a test this long test eight hour test uh, i had another panic attack during the test i thought you know something is wrong with with me I don't know what it is, but I don't feel normal. You know, I need I need some help. I talked to the proctor of the test, and uh, he said, "Well, you can't leave." You know, he pretty much said, uh, "If you leave, you just won't get credit for the questions you haven't answered yet." So wow. I just blew through the rest of the test, and then I'm like, "I'm going to go to the ER because something's not right." You know, right. Yeah, so I went to the ER and, uh, you know, they did a few tests, treated it like a real situation. You know, there was a few ir 
irregularities in my labs. Uh, my potassium was low. My EKG was a little bit abnormal. And so they said, you know, you should see a cardiologist and, and take some potassium and things. So I, I guess I'm getting to the point where after this experience, I was convinced that there was something wrong with my body, you know, that made me feel so awful. So you Eventually, thought it was more than just an emotional problem. You thought it was a, like a physiological problem? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're a medical student, you're going through, you know, all of these rare diseases and people who thought that they had normal health all of a sudden find out that they could be very sick. I think that I was seeing that in myself, like a lot of medical students do. But then I had some abnormalities, you know, like a low potassium, which is very uncommon for people to have unless there's a, a real reason. My wife was still out of town at this time. I guess I just felt, wow, like I could have something really wrong with me and I don't know what to do. You know, it was just kind of a fearful time, a stressful time to, to try and make a long story short, I guess. I eventually got into kind of a cycle where it felt like something was wrong with me, like really wrong with me. And I started to fear things that I never feared before, you know, even exercising or taking any other tests, which is a problem as a medical student. Oh, yeah, I bet. And, yeah, yeah. So, you know, multiple tests all the time and, you know, every time having a panic attack or something like that. Yeah, so that lasted probably about three months or so. It was a very painful time. I just didn't realize how much anguish people go through with mental issues, you know, until I experienced this. So uh, what exactly did you come to a conclusion of what you felt like was wrong? Eventually, you know, I kind of had to prove to myself that there was nothing physically wrong with me, which took a couple of months for me to prove to myself. But even then, I still felt so bad. And I, I tried to study everything I could about panic attacks and what they do to your body physiologically and why you would have those kind of real symptoms. And I think people sometimes minimize, you know, they say like, oh, it's just a panic attack or whatever. But they're real symptoms that you have. You know, your body is in this uh, really ramped up fight or flight situation and it, it doesn't feel good, you know, <laughs> to have that kind of sympathetic response so high all the time. That's a really so, good way to put it. And, and remind me, what symptoms were you having? What were some of those symptoms? I guess I felt like I could faint at any minute, nauseous, could vomit or something like that. And uh, people with really low potassium, they're at risk for having, you know, sudden cardiac death. Stuff like that would be in my mind, you know, very hard for me to just have normal uh, interactions with people or anything like that. Because you were thinking you could be dying. Yeah, exactly. And people are just, you know, having a good time chatting or whatever. It was like a life or death situation, you know. Very difficult. So it really uh, changed my perspective a lot for people who deal with mental health issues. So would you kind of classify it as anxiety, you think, that started all this? Yeah, I think that uh, it definitely was a part of anxiety. A situational, you know, made it much worse at that time. You know, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, I think it was really panic attacks and, and situational anxiety that was really what was going on. We all know somebody in medical school, and I can't imagine the stress involved. And I'm sure you're not the only one that's experienced this. It's a, an unrecognized 
you know, I'd, I'd say unaddressed problem really. I actually had a classmate of mine who committed suicide just a couple of weeks before we were graduating from medical school. Really? And uh, yeah, nobody saw it coming, you know, as far as his classmates and things. Even in physicians in general, there's not a lot of self-care. Physicians are really good at caring for other people. A lot of times they're not very good at caring for themselves. A lot of times I think we can be really hard on physicians too. It's interesting to see just kind of an insider look about what you go through to become a physician. Were there people that you could look to and connect with that were able to offer you compassion during this time? Definitely my wife was a huge, a, a huge um, relief for me to have someone to turn to. I never felt judged by her or anything like that, which was really big. I also have a brother, an older brother, who uh, amazing, amazing person, but he uh, had struggled himself with maybe some OCD tendencies and, you know, just showed me a lot of compassion. And he actually suggested a book that's called When Panic Attacks. It's by uh, Dr. Burns, who's a psychiatrist. And uh, that book, you know, I, I really studied it a lot, did the exercises and everything. That book really helped me to find ways to deal with the acute anxiety and also to find a way to, to healing overall. Right. Yeah, I remember you giving me the name of that book when I would talk to you because you helped me a lot when I started having my mental health struggles. I remember you were, you were a, a good guidepost for me. I remember being able to call and talk to you about how I was feeling. I remember you saying things like, everything you're saying is exactly what I was saying, <laughs> you know, however many months ago or whatever. And it, it was so yeah. helpful to just have someone else that had been through it. Uh, it made me feel less crazy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the hardest parts of going through through these experiences is you feel so isolated, you know, like nobody else goes to this or maybe something's wrong with me because I'm going through it. But in reality, there's so many people that go through it and it's feeling isolated makes it that much worse. How has your experience increased your empathy for other people, do you think? I think my empathy, not just in mental health things, but in other things as well, has increased dramatically just by, you know, having something that I would say that I suffered through, even though that sounds maybe a little dramatic, but it really is a very painful experience. You know, I deal with a lot of people with very severe illness, and most people never interact with people that have these really awful diseases that are so painful or, uh, you know, depressing. And uh, it just increased my empathy for the patients that I, I see and that I deal with and anybody else around me. Seriously, which was such a gift that you offered me and I know that you offer, you continue to offer to other people. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, anytime I get the chance to talk to somebody about my journey and, and share with them, it's so, so great for me to say that there is hope and uh, you can overcome this, you know, and you don't have to do it alone. And I know that you are going to, that's going to be such an amazing thing for you to have as, as you're a doctor. You're already a resident. Uh, so I guess you're already a doctor. But um, I know for me, knowing that my physician um, is going to have the kind of compassion that you do, that'll be really huge. That'll be really huge. Just to close up, if there's someone listening that was struggling right now with some of the types of feelings you're talking about, 
what would be your message to them? Uh, you know, I think the most important thing for anybody going through something like this is to believe that there is hope that you can improve your situation. There's hope for you to, to not suffer like you're suffering right now. Because not believing that there's hope, it makes all your efforts seem like they're useless. But having that, that little bit of hope, even if it's just a glimmer, and holding on to that and, and believing, you know, I, I know that you probably shared your beliefs a lot on this podcast, but I'm a firm believer that there is a God and that he is, is powerful and has made us in our minds in a way that can overcome amazing challenges. And I think if you really believe that, and I, you know, I study the body every day, I study the brain every day. If you really believe and see the miracles that, that you are, then you can have a little bit of hope that God can see you through it. I think once you have that hope, and if you could tell yourself that, you know, I would go through this if I knew I could help somebody else with this kind of trial, just knowing that kind of thing is an amazing blessing. I couldn't agree more. Lane, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your really specific experience in medical school with us. I think it's going to help a lot of people have this perspective. So thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I could, could be on. Thanks for having me. And thanks for marrying my friend and being so good to her, right? <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> what this interview made me think most about is that everybody needs someone who has been through something similar as them. They need someone that can say, I've been where you are and I'm not there anymore and it gets better and I'm happy again. That's what this podcast is about, bringing hope, feeding that connection that we all need so much. Thanks again to my dear friend, Tony Overbay. He's a therapist, he's a speaker, he's an author coming out with a brand new book and he is the podcast host of The Virtual Couch. Check out his free ebook and discover five common mistakes that Christians make attempting to break free from the pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. You can download a copy of it at his website, thepathbackrecovery.com and all his other amazing work in his podcast at tonyoverbay.com. I and I will make sure to link all of that in the show notes as always. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoy your turkey and pumpkin pie. And until next week, my name is Julie Lee, and I see you.